Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Leveraging Combinatorial Approaches in Hepatocellular Carcinoma, an Exploration of the Clinical Implications of the Available Data. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by educational grants from Azi Incorporated, Exelixis Incorporated, and Merck and Company Incorporated. Hello, welcome everybody. This is Ghassan Abu Alpha from Memorial Sloan Catering Cancer Center, New York. I'm delighted to discuss the novel therapeutic combination therapies and strategies in hepatocellular carcinoma. As we all know, the treatment strategies started with the tyrosine kinase inhibitor sorafenib as a standard of care in 2008. With time, we've continued to look into different directions with lymvatinib versus sorafenib that looked into an inferiority of lymvatinib versus sorafenib. And thus, in 2018, lymvatinib was added to the stand of care for unresectable hepsol carcinoma. But of course, we'll know that this changed markedly with the combination of atezolizumab plus bevacizumab that showed a major improvement in survival compared to sorafenib and was approved in 2020. The NCCN guidelines help us define therapies. Understandably, it depends mainly on phase three clinical trials that, of course, if positive, will help delineate a therapy as becoming a standard of care. No doubt that the NCCN has, of course, forged out a preferred regimen that patients might benefit from. On the other hand, if a certain therapy is yet to be further proven and has shown some value, it can remain as a other recommended regimen for therapy. What did you learn so far? Good news, our patients have more options now. And at the moment, we have at least three first-line options of therapy. The combination of atezolizumab plus bevacizumab, which, as we said, is the one that shows the most improvement survival and has become the preferred first-line regimen for hepsol carcinoma. Those patients who are unable to be treated with atezolizumab plus bevacizumab can be considered for lymvatinib or sorafenib. What we now know is that the novel combination therapy approach is very critical for us because no doubt the currently available and future combinations will further enhance our opportunities to use tyrosine kinase inhibitors like sorafenib, lemvatinib, or cabozantinib, or build on the improvement of survival with atezolizumab plus bevacizumab. In the next session, we'll discuss how combination treatment regimen work to help improve outcomes in HCC. In this session, we're going to talk about combination regimens for the treatment of HCC, and we're going to delve into the mechanism of action of HCC. The immune cell cycle very much will depend on an important component at the cell membrane level in the cancer cells. We have PD-1 and PDL1 sitting almost like chairs that will prevent the T cells from touching onto the cancer cells' membranes. Anti-PD-1, anti-PDL1 will kick this chair out, permitting the immune cells to jump onto the cancer cells. As we learned, the mechanism of action might not be enough. We need to get some message from high up in the chain of command, from the cell membrane, all the way to the lymph node to restore that immune system. This can be, for example, in the level of VGF, where anti-VGF or tyrosine cancer can usually cause that effect by increasing the infiltration of T cells in the tumor microenvironment and enhancing the activity of anti-PD-1, anti one Because HCC is a highly vascular tumor, Targeting the VGF intracellular kinase pathway using anti-VGF monoclonal antibodies or TKI is an important pathway to improve outcomes. Additionally, TKIs like lymvatinib, sorafenib, and cabozantinib inhibits various mitogen-activated protein kinases 
at the RAF level, which has been shown to inhibit tumor cell proliferation and increase apoptosis of tumor cells. Dual immunotherapy regimen are also leading to better outcome in RSA CC. To understand why, we need to see what happens with CTLA4. In our lymph nodes, CT28 on an immune cell will talk to two molecules, CD8 and CD86, on the T cells, and will send the message doing all the way to cell membrane level to allow T cell activation to take place. Interestingly, CTLA4 will pull away CD8 and CD6, preventing activation of the T cell through the PD1, PDL1 pathway. This is where an anti CTLA4, for example, trimalumumab, can come into play, permitting CD8 and CD86 to do their action again and allow the anti-PD1, anti-PDL1 activity to take place. This combination being at the level of the anti-PDL1 and anti-PD1, along with targeted therapy against VGF or immunotherapy like anti-CTLA4, will enhance the effect of the combination of therapies. In the next session, we'll look into the efficacy data for the current and emerging combination treatments. In this session, we're going to probe into the data of the combination of tyrosine kinase inhibitors with checkpoint inhibitors or immunotherapy, and we'll look into the implications of clinical practice. The AMRAV 150 study looked at the combination of atezolizumab plus bafizumab. It was compared to single-agent tyrosine kinase inhibitors, sorafenib, as a standard of care. The improvement in survival was 19.2 months in favor of the atezolizumab plus bafizumab compared to 13.4 months for the sorafenib. Interestingly, in a retrospective real-world study of patients with HCC with combination of atezolizumab plus bafizuzumab led to a median progression survival of 6.9 months and mean overall survival of 15.74 months. Other data that was reported also recently is the combination of darvelumab plus tramilumumab, again versus sorafenib, that showed an improvement in survival in favor of the darvelumab plus tramilumab, now called the stride regimen, with a mean survival of 16.43 months versus sorafenib 13.77 months. Interestingly, it showed non-inferiority in overall survival 16.56 months for darvelumab versus sorafenib 13.77 months. Recently, we saw from the study evaluating atezolizumab plus cabozantinib, the COSMIC 312 study, which did not demonstrate any survival benefit for the combination versus sorafenib, although there was a statistically significant improvement in PFS with a median PFS of 6.8 months with atezolizumab plus cabozantinib and 4.2 months with sorafenib. Also, we heard about the LEAP study of the combination of pembrolizumab plus limvatinib which did not meet the pre-specified primary point of overall survival and progression-free survival. On top, it intriguingly showed an improvement in survival for the lymvatinib, a single agent of 19 months, which was way longer than what we're expecting and were aware of for the tyrosine kinase inhibitors. At ASMO 2022, the combination of camrilizumab and anti-PD-1 plus rivocerinib in a TKI showed an improvement in survival with an enhancement in PFS and OS versus sorafenib, mainly done in China. And this combination, of course, pending the final data will be worth looking into for therapy. So to summarize, we have great data. We're delighted to see an improvement in survival with the combination of atezolizumab plus berzumab. We also have seen improvement in survival with the combination of dervelumab plus tramilumab. And of course, we look very much forward to the other combinations that can show improvement in survival or any others that could come forward. In the next session, we'll look into the safety profile of these combination therapies. In this session, we're going to look into details of the safety of the combination therapy. With the first combination to speak about being atezolizumab plus bevizumab, understandably, 
There were adverse events that relate to the two drugs among which grade three and four have occurred with the combination, including hypertension, elevated AST, and some other less adverse events noted as well. Very important, though, is to remember that with the advent of plafazizumab and potential of variceal bleeds, if we decide to use atizumab plus mizumab, make sure that we do the endoscopy as needed. For the sorafenib, we saw the classic elevation of high blood pressure, hand-foot syndrome, and of course, elevated LFTs. In the combination of darvelumab plus tramelumab, or the stride regimen, we can see grade three and four adverse events in regard to darvelumab plus tramelumab, and these included 5% diarrhea, elevated LTASD, and some increase in lipase. In the pembrolizumab plus lymvatinib, despite that the LEAP002 study, as we stated, was negative, there were no surprising adverse events. However, for the lymvatinib arm, which is important for us, there were still adverse events which are consistent with what we know about lymvatinib, including hypertension, diarrhea, and elevated liver enzymes. As for the camerolizumab riversarinib, the profile again showed some of the adverse events that already were aware of and expected, including hypertension and elevated liver enzymes. This is, of course, add to the Hatford syndrome for the TKIs. We can thus summarize. The combination therapies that benefit patients with HCC are relatively safe. Understandably, expected adverse events that occurred because of unleashing the immune system and as such affecting the organs in the body. And add to this concern, bafizumab in regard to the bleeding, as long as we do the endoscopy, we should be okay. Of course, in regard to potential other adverse events, they thankfully occur at a lesser extent. In the next session, we'll talk about what are the key factors that will help us decide which treatment strategy will be best for each individual patient. Now that we know about the combination therapies, let's try in this session synthesize the data to see how can we select best therapy for the patient. Of course, it can be looked at from different components. One of them is the etiology of the disease. With regard to etiology, the Amrave 150 with atezolizumab plus pefizumab, patients with hepatitis B and hepatitis C do very well on that therapy, even though maybe the non-viral patient did not fare as well, but still did benefit. And it's very important to remember that every patient that's on the study did benefit from the therapy. In the MLI study, with dervalumab and tremolumab again, we saw subtle differences between the different subgroups of etiologies like hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and non-viral. More importantly, though, at the moment, all those therapies will apply to all patients regardless of the etiology. Another important component to look into is the adverse events of the combination therapy. What jumped to mind first is the potential of the varices with the bleeding from the bafizumab. It's important, as we mentioned, to make sure we do the endoscopy prior to the start of the therapies. And number two, if there is a varix, the atezolumab, bafizumab should be avoided at least for six months until the varices are totally healed. In regard to the checkpoint inhibitors, there's other autoimmune diseases that especially not fully controlled. And to avoid, as such, any combination of immunotherapy, this is where the tyrosine can receptors come into rescue, like lymvatinib as a first line or cabozantinib as a second line. If an immunotherapy plus TKI become available, and we have to remember the classic hand foot syndrome that occurs with tyrosine can inhibitors, hypertension, diarrhea, and fatigue can be managed by required treatment interruption or discontinuation if severe. If we were to summarize, Number one, etiology that can favor certain therapy versus the other, but we need more data. We can conclude that the therapy did benefit everybody regardless of the etiology. 
Number two, in regard to the adverse events, yes, they can be serious and very important to make sure that we exert caution and avoid therapies where it's not applicable. At the moment, in first-line therapy, we have sorafenib, lenvatinib, atezolizumab, plasmavizumab, and of course, we're looking for more options, especially in the combination regimens. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.